everybody. Welcome on back to the Cadillac Ranch podcast with HT Waterworth. How y'all doing today? I got a big one for you guys. Um, if you know anything about me, I used to coach at Mission Prep High School. I uh, interviewed a couple of the former players that I coached. This time around, I'm going to be talking to Rich Soiber, a coach I used to coach with. So if you're listening from New Jersey, if you're listening from Mission Prep High School here in St. Louis, uh, Wisconsin, uh, if you're just a fan of Rich, Giants fan, whatever, um, I hope you enjoyed this interview. Had a great time, and here you go, Rich Soybert. All right, everybody, we got a special guest. He's driving in his car right now, um, so if we have any any troubles hearing anything, just hang with us. Uh, my next guest, he grew up in uh, Wisconsin. He was a standout at Columbus Catholic High School in Wisconsin. Uh, he was a standout in basketball, baseball, and football, where he led his football and basketball team to multiple championships. He went to Western Illinois uh, University. He was first-team All-Gateway honoree as a senior. And then he went on his way t- to be an undrafted free agent, played for the Giants in 2001 to 2010, no big deal, won a Super Bowl. Now he's a coaching high school at Wachung Hills. Did I say that right? Yeah, Wachung Hills, yep. Wachung Hills, uh, number 69, Richard Soybert. How are we doing today? Henry, I'm doing awesome, man. Uh, it's been a long time, you know, uh, from when we were coaching together at Mission Prep until uh, today. But I'm happy to be on the show with you. I'm looking forward to it, and um, it, it's going to be fun. Perfect. Uh, I Like I told you before, I had Pat Miller on at Braden Corona um, and Bryce Flatterman. Getting the juices flowing, just remember a whole bunch of things. We're bringing up names. Um, the one reason why I wanted to bring you on is uh, the other day I did a top 10 list of athletes. And I did like a little like side part of like another athlete section. And one of the person that I did was you for the fact that I remember one of the stories you told me was you didn't even, your college coach didn't even find you because of football. He found you because of basketball. And that always struck me as that that's an athlete right there. He showed his problem. He showed that he could be an athlete on the basketball court. So it went over to the football field and explain that in how multiple sports and that experience kind of shaped you, I guess. Uh, you know, you're right. I think uh, being a multi-sport student athlete um, is important, right? I think all these kids that are specializing in one sport, you know, you um, you get four years of high school. And if I wanted to play all three sports, I would have missed out on a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I truly, if I had to rank my sports from one to three, between basketball, baseball, and football, um, I would say probably basketball was number one when I was a kid, right? I used right. to get to score and, um, you know, rebound a bunch. But, yeah, I could score points. Playing football, yes, I was a lineman, so – uh, I love playing football, but um, we played basketball year-round, right? We played all summer long in tournaments. Um, we played, obviously, in the winter. Uh, and in the spring, we played baseball. But, you know, football back then was you played football in the fall and you worked out, you lifted weights. Um, it, it's, it's, football's a different beast. Um, but I think to show your, your athleticism and the type of person you are and the type of athlete you are, um, I truly believe that most college coaches – would take a multi-sport athlete over a single sport athlete if, if they were, if they were, um, you know, close in athletic ability, you know, right. in, in the sport of their choice. So 
um, I think it's important, right? My my best friends to this day are people that either I played with or I coached with, right? You know that. Mm-hmm. The people that you, you, you grew up with in that locker room, um, they're, they're your friends for life. And um, I look back and, you know, I'm just I, – I just, you know, thank my parents for encouraging me to play all three. Uh, I thank my coaches that I had to encourage me to play all three sports. Um, and I'm glad I did that. When you were in high school, uh, you said that you had a pretty well-known high school coach, right? Like he yes. won a lot of football games. Um, he was a good mentor for you, I think you told me. Um, how about you talk about him for a second? Uh, yeah, it was Coach Kroll. Um, God bless his soul. He passed away after um, we won the state championship my sophomore year, um, and he passed away that spring. So um, his last football game he ever coached, uh, we were raising the trophy at the uh, Camp Randall Stadium at the University of Wisconsin. So um, he was a great man. Uh, I had him, obviously, at the end of his career coaching. Um, he was well-respected in the state, one of the top winningest coaches in the state of Wisconsin. Um, he was all about hard work, doing things the right way, uh, being on time, you know, pretty much what we all need to do now in our lives as we get older, right. um, accountability, right, be, being accountable for your actions. Um, he was the study hall uh, teacher at that time, so, you know, he made sure that we, we, we got our homework done and we were doing it right and we weren't messing around in school. Right. Um, you know, you feared him, but you loved him. Um, I, I think that's that's one of the best coaches you can have. You know, the coach that um, you don't want to make mistakes. You, you don't want to let your coach down because he loves you so much, right? Right. So uh, he, he was that kind of a guy. Um, you know, one of the pictures in my house is is uh, it's him after that state championship game. He's like off in the background with two other coaches and the team celebrating. And he's sitting back with a smile on his face. Yeah. Um, he, he was old school, so he 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 didn't smile much. But in that picture, you can catch his smile, and you can see all the years of coaching and all the, um, all the tough times, right? Right. Being, being a football coach, all the yelling, all the um, all all the film watching, you can just see it all pay off. And now, me being 41 years old and coaching high school football. I know what he was going through, right? I think at right. the time when you're in high school and you're playing, you don't, you don't respect everything your coaches do until you put the coach's head on. And then you're like, boy, I respect my coaches a lot more now than I ever did before. <laughs> exactly. Totally. Um, so transferring from high school to uh, college, like I said, uh, you were picked up by your uh, – you were looked at because of your basketball play, and then you started playing football. And you were recruited there as a tight end, correct? Uh, I was recruited there as a football player. Um, okay. I went down to West. I went down to Western Illinois, um, not really knowing what position, right? Um, I went down there on a visit. The last back then, it was like you could have so many weeks of visiting schools. Uh, you can only visit so many schools, like now. But that was my last visit on the last weekend possible. Um, I, I went down there. You know, they, they stick you with a couple seniors. They show you around, um, and then the next day they they offered me a scholarship to play football, and I said. You know, obviously, a free education you can't pass up. So, right. Um, I loved it down there. I loved being down there for my four years. Um, but that's the only scholarship yes, you got? Uh, that's the only scholarship offer that I received, right? Okay. It, it only takes one. It, it right, only takes totally. one. Um, it only takes one. Um, but I wasn't sure if I was going to be a D lineman, an offensive lineman, or a tight end. Um, I, went, I went to training camp there, maybe being a tackle, but then the coach was – Hey, have you ever played tight end? Would you want to? And I said, whatever gets me on the field, I'll play. Right. I, I didn't. I wasn't caught up on. And let's be honest, playing tight end, you catch the ball once in a while. 
Um, so I, I ended up playing tight end. There was a fifth-year senior, um, last name Kelly, a uh, great mentor for me. Um, even, you know, it's tough, right? A freshman comes in and, and wins that starting job at tight end. And, you know, that fifth-year senior who worked hard for five years, he, 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 he was still there. He had my back. He helped me out. Um, we, we had a good football team, right? Uh, Aaron Stecker, a running back that played for many years in the NFL. He was our running back. Um, Jeff, uh, Jeff Hecklinski, who's – I think Coach Hecklinski is coaching out at San Diego or at San Diego State now. Oh, wow. Um, we had a good team, a good group of senior linemen up front, and then, you know, the little scrawny freshman playing tight end, getting yelled at all the time. Yeah. But uh, I learned a lot, took my bumps and bruises. My second year, um, we had a couple injuries inside, and they they, uh, they moved me into guard uh, for the second half of the season, which I was, you know, six foot three, 235-pound guard playing in playing in the Gateway Conference, which is my mind one of the toughest Division One AA conferences out there at that time. And then my junior year, uh, I played left tackle my last two years. And um, I enjoyed it, right? I'm a lineman. Uh, I, I love playing on the line. I love being, you know, a leader of that football team. And um, I had some really good teammates, and we had some fun times. Uh, going off that, you said you love being a lineman. You love the trenches. And I, what I always love to ask O-linemen can you, for people that I've only experienced in the high school, but you have experienced high school, college, and in the pros, can you express to somebody that maybe never watched the game or never got the the uh, the opportunity to be a lineman, what does it feel like to have absolute control of somebody and maneuver them in any way where you're almost laughing because you can do whatever you want? What What is that feeling yeah. like? I don't think you laugh, right? Not not playing. You can't laugh when you're playing. But no, you know, you, you know what I mean. You know, like every play, you legally can you can uh, knock the shit out of somebody, right? Yes, and I guess yes. that's that's kind of part where you like where you know you put the helmet on, you put your mouth guard, and you walk across that line. Uh, it's it's hand to hand combat, right? It, mm -hmm. It's pretty much no holds barred. Within the rules, you try to you know embarrass the guy across from you. And um, I wasn't the guy that talked too much when I was playing. You know, defense alignment, they do all the talking. The old linemen do all the work, and um, but uh, I just enjoyed it. You know, I, th I think if you look at every great football team, I don't care what level you coach or what what level you played, your team is only as good as the guys up front. Yep. Uh, o line or D line, right? You can have the best quarterback behind you or the best athletes behind you, but if you can't block anybody, right? It's it's it, it doesn't matter. So, um, the the best the best lines are are the ones where. You got five guys working together, right? It's, mm. it's all the cliches about offensive line, and nobody gets the credit. And you know, you, you're just in it for the common good, right? You're playing for the your, your brother next to you. And right. um, I was blessed, right? Everywhere I played, the guys that I played next to, I can tell you that I was best friends with them. Like we might not have came from the same areas or, or the same ways of life, but you know, as you grew through that bond with each other, like you, you, you definitely became brothers, and we, we talk to this day, right? They're, they're still my best friends. Right. So um, it's just that bond, right? Five guys working together. One guy messes up on offense and your play's over, right? One guy messes up on defense and somebody else can make the tackle and cover your ass. Mm -hmm. Where if I missed my block, I let I let the whole team down. And I just, you know, the, the pressure, right? I, I love the pressure. I love the competitive spirit to it. Awesome. Um, so you had a great career at uh, Western Illinois. You come out of uh, college. You got yourself a degree, right? Or you're close, one of the two? I was close, yep. Yeah. Um, and then you start training for the uh, 
you start training for hunter you're in the truck you're going to college and you're finishing getting a degree that's what uh, that's what i meant yeah, hunter's hunter's uh he's a lot further along than i ever was right okay, good. so he, he, he takes after his mother okay perfect and i think i i take after my father so it, it is what it is perfect so uh yeah. you start getting ready to be an nfl uh try to get drafted by the NFL or get picked up by the NFL. What was that process for you? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Did you go into it knowing like, I'm going to make the NFL? Or you're like, I'm going to try this out. If they don't make it, I don't make it. Uh, no, I think I went through my 10 year career thinking I was going to get cut the next day. And I think that's why I worked so hard. Right. So uh, we, we had, um, uh, Ed Hartwell and William Patterson at the time. Um, we had, we had two players on West Illinois roster that was going to be drafted, right? Like, everybody knew they were going to be drafted. Then I was kind of the third guy where I, didn't, I never thought I'd be drafted, so it is what it is, right? I just – I know I need to work on my 40 time. I need to get my weight above 300 pounds, right? That's right. kind of the two. We had the scouts come in. Um, I went to Dom Beebe's speed school, like, for a weekend just to work on my 40 starts. Um, and now, <laughs> now it's funny, right? These kids <coughs> in college um, – they train for three months just for yeah. their, their their pro days. Uh, I think I like, I continued to train at Western Illinois, and I went to work on my 40 time a little bit, right? And uh, the scouts all came in to see those two guys, but obviously, you know, I was in the group, so I ran and I and I tested well. I ran a 4.9240. That's and I the fastest in, like, time, a, right? A 4.92. Uh, I yeah. don't know fastest time that year, but it was it was good for me, right? Yeah, I think under five for offensive that. line. You know, under five for an offensive lineman coming out of college, I think it's pretty good. Hell yeah. And uh, I weighed in like at 301, so I was just above 300 pounds. Um, and it gave me a shot, right? Um, during the draft, you know, teams were calling, um, saying, hey, we got a couple picks coming up late, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I remember Jim McNally, uh, Mouse, the, uh, in my mind, I had two of the greatest offensive line coaches ever to coach football with the Giants. And McNally was the first one I had for my first four years. And, um, he called me up and he goes, Rich, we're not going to draft you, but we like you. We like to bring you in as a free agent. And him being one of the only coaches being honest with me, it, it meant a lot to me, right? So when the draft was over, my agent called, and there was like three or four teams that wanted to uh, bring me in as a, as a free agent contract. Um, I chose the Giants, and obviously I made the right decision because I ended up sticking around there for a while, and I won a Super Bowl, and, 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 and that decision was – is, was truly based on Jim McNally calling me up on the phone on the that was the Sunday when they used to only do two days at a draft right Sunday afternoon saying we're not going to pick yep. you but we like you and they didn't draft any other offensive linemen that year they brought two or three of us in as free agents um, I knew they had a good offensive line because they were coming off they made it to the Super Bowl in 2000 and yep. they lost to the, the, the Ravens so I knew they had a good offensive line but I knew they were getting older right and Lomas Brown, the left tackle, was getting older. But then they also had a good group of young guys uh, in, in Pettigrew and Whittle and Bobert and uh, Dusty Ziegler where I could learn from them. But I knew there'd be a couple spots open to make a roster. So um, me and my agent made that decision. And um, it's the best decision I made in my life, right, at that time. Um, it worked out well. I love being a giant, right? Like, um, I know I'm talking way offline now, but once a giant, always a giant. And like oh, Eli yeah. said, and like Eli said, only a giant. And um, I love the East Coast. Uh, I love the Mara family. I love the Tish family. Uh, I broke my leg in 2003, which could have probably ended my career. Totally. And um, the Giants gave me, you know, a chance to come back and play. And Wellington Mara, 
Um, he came to the hospital to visit me. On, on, I was there for three weeks. And he, I don't remember the first two weeks too much, but I, I, the one thing I remember is my wife was there, my parents were there, I had some teammates there, and Wellington Mara was there pretty much every morning to check up on me, which, which to me, that, that, that means a lot, right? He didn't need to be there. and He cared, he cared about his players. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I'll run through a wall for the Giants and I'll defend the Giants to the day I die, right? They're, they're my team. Hell yeah. So you you went in there, you're your undrafted free agent. How intimidating was that? Or did you have not even have time to be intimidated? You're just like, I need to buck up. There's no time. Going. Yeah. Yeah, there's no time. I was never the guy that got caught up on who you're going against in practice. Um, oh. I think it was maybe, maybe the first mini camp. Obviously, you know, you get there as a rookie free agent. They make three lines and they say, okay, you're the third team right tackle or you're the third team left tackle. And I'm looking around saying there's no way in hell I can play tackle in the league because I'm not six foot six, right? Yeah. But I'm going to do the best I can. So I think uh, we're doing one-on-ones early in a mini camp. Uh, one-on-ones, you know, offensive alignment against the defensive alignment for those that don't know. And it's pretty much where all eyes are on that group. Nobody watches us the entire practice until you do one-on-ones because one, there's going to be a fight. Two, there's going to be a fight. And three, somebody's going to probably fight, right? Um, and Kenny Holmes was a DN they brought in the year prior from Tennessee, right? One of their high free agents. And my second one-on-one as a New York football giant, I got to go against Kenny Holmes. And at the time, I, I didn't like no, Kenny Holmes was a hell of a football player, but at the time I didn't know who he was. Right, I never got caught up in going against. Oh, that's Michael Strahan or Kenny Holmes or Keith Hamilton or, or whoever you're. Like I wanted to go against the best, and um, I did pretty good against Kenny that first time. Right, I might have got him. He might have got me nine out of ten times that year, but that first one I took against him, I got him. Right, and uh, I think it opened up some eyes, and that's the reason why I might have made that football team. Right, the last preseason game we were playing at Baltimore. And that's when they had, um, you know, obviously, uh, oh my gosh, I'm gonna forget names. Uh, Ray Lewis, yeah, and, uh, and uh, the 2002, yeah, they just won a championship. They just won a championship, right? So their D lineman was stacked, and their yeah. linebackers were stacked. And our our the, our starting offensive lineman was not gonna play in the last preseason game. That's what Coach Fossa wanted. And the backup right guard like hurt his thumb in practice. So uh, Coach Bagnelli comes to me and says, you're playing right guard. You're going to start a right guard in the last preseason game. I never, took a, I never took a snap at guard. And I was like, okay, whatever, right? I'll play. And I played pretty well. I started that game, and, and it was in the preseason, so it's not a big deal. But I started that game, and I played against Baltimore starting defense. And I know we ran a toss play with Tiki, or not Tiki, with the plane, but the backup running back. And I was going up for Ray Lewis, and I was like, oh, boy, I better cut him. I went down to cut him. He jumped over me so easily. He goes, Brookie, you can't cut me. But and I, 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 I played well, right? And right. Um, that one opportunity is all it took, right? The one kid, you know, having a hurt thumb where he couldn't play, right, gave me the opportunity to start a preseason game and not embarrass myself and make a football team. And um, I always say, thank God I didn't have to play my rookie year because if I would have played my rookie year, I probably would have been cut. Right. Um, I got a year to grow. I played a little bit of, you know, specialty kickoff return and, and the field goal, obviously. Um, the games I dressed, but then it gave me that entire year to, to become a better football player with my value, with, with technique. So um, you were on the 52 I again? My, I was on the 52. Oh, oh, what, what was it then? Like I dressed, I think I dressed for like eight games that year, right? Okay. So I mean, that's you're, still on, you're on the roster. That's yeah. still huge. You're on the team. Like a lot of people right? like don't even get like, they don't get the process of a practice squad or and then practice team and then 
just backups and then yeah. therefore so like there's yeah. a lot of steps that's so a whole that. yeah that's a whole other show henry right talking about yeah. how many kids come to keep like 100 kids come or 100 players come and 52 make it right every year right but so my my first game was september 10 2001 right in denver Crazy. Monday night football and we all know what happened on september 11th right yes, so that sir. was i'll never forget my first game right and we were in denver we flew back and then that terrible, terrible, terrible thing happened to our country, right? And um, you know that was that was my first year in New York. That was my first my first game I ever played, right? The next day, September 11th happened, and then um, you know that year that year was that year was that year. It was, it was a horrible time. Was it surreal? Like how going into the stadium every Sunday when it was the home game after September 11th. Was it eerie? Was it like you felt patriotic because everybody was probably red, white, and blue, not just because of the Giants, but just America? Not only, yeah, it, it, you, hit, you hit it in the head, Henry, right? It didn't matter if you were a Giants fan, an Eagles fan, a Jets fan. You know, it mattered that we were Americans, right? And we, right. we all had each other's backs. And, you know, we were – it was tough to play, right? I was a rookie my first year in New York, and you just, you know, you, you – you, you followed your leaders, right? And we helped out where we could help out, but it almost felt like we were helpless, right? There was nothing that we could do to take back what happened, obviously. But maybe by us playing on Sundays, it gave people something to watch, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that's like we played at Kansas City. We, we, we didn't play the following week. Nobody played. Right. And then our next, the first game after September 11th, we were at Kansas City. And I just remember Kansas City, like the whole stadium erupting when, 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 when the Giants came on the field and the national anthem that game, you know, everybody was singing, everybody was standing up and um, you'll never forget that game, right? Like we, we won that game. And I remember I have a picture hanging up in my house where we're all wearing the NYPD or the, the, uh, the FDNY hats. And, you know, it felt like, you know, we, we won it for New York city, right? Like we, we were there for everybody in that city and um, whatever we could do to, to, to help. Right. We, yeah. We were there for those guys. Man, that's that's insane. I remember that morning. So, because I'm I'm only ten years younger than you, so I I was going into middle school that day. So like, I remember watching it on TV, and I remember even talking to him. Like, I I told everybody, like, I hope every New York team wins this year because that, how awesome would that be? So I always I had like a sweet spot for the New York teams that year. Um, the Yankees ended up winning that year, correct? And then. Uh I, I, I know you're not a big baseball guy. We knew that. Yeah, um, I like. I, I, I'm an Angels fan. You know that. Yeah. Oh, totally. You you made me an Angels fan. I mean, the Jersey kid, man. Yeah, you made me an Angels fan. Like you're the reason why my son used to go to Angels games. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> um, so we're uh we're going into it. We, you're an O line uh, man. A, a lot of people like you. Um, obviously the Maros like you. Uh, and then you start getting coaching changes. Fossil's on its way out. And then you get this guy named Tom Coughlin coming out of Jacksonville. How much of a switch with that? Because I know Fossil was one type of coach, and then you got Coughlin, who was a different type of coach. Um, I loved it, right? I, I have all the respect in the world for Coach Fossil and, and, and the same for Coach Coughlin. And so that's the year I broke my leg in 2003. Coughlin came in that following year. So I'm sitting there as an injured player, knowing Coach Coughlin's reputation on, 
you know, if you're not practicing, you ain't helping us win, right? So um, I worked really hard. I think that's probably the strongest I've ever been in the weight room because I really couldn't do anything with my leg. Uh, I, I, you know, I missed a year. Um, but even Coach Coffin, I think, saw my determination to make it back. And um, obviously, he was the head coach, so he also gave me an opportunity to play again. Um, but he, he brought in, uh, you know, you better you better be five minutes early and not be late and work hard. And he pretty much was an offensive lineman by heart, right? Because I think offensive linemen have the same values as Coach Coughlin does, is working hard, showing up on time, you know, doing whatever you have to do for the guy next to you. Um, I, I love Coach Coughlin, right? Like Chris Snee, one of my best friends on the team, um, married his daughter, right? So uh, I have all the respect in the world for his entire family. And um, I'm glad that he was my football coach. I learned so much from him um, just, just to be accountable and hard work and um, – I can honestly say, I think I beat him to the facility maybe a few times in my life. I was usually one of the first ones there. Uh-huh. Um, first ones there, and the linemen were always the last ones to leave. But um, I like getting there early. I can never sleep anyways. And um, some days it would just be me and him for the first 20 minutes, right? He would walk through and, you know, look at me and say, who's this? Like, this kid's not even playing, right? Like, he's, he's hurt, but he's still here early. And um, I would run through a wall for Tom, and um, he, he knows that. And, um, I think that's a lot of guys that he's coached have the same feelings about him. That's great to hear. Cause I mean, I, I'm a fan of him. Just, I, I like the fact that there's, everybody says there's Coughlin time and that's a real thing. Everybody that here like uh, talks about Coughlin on in interviews or whatever. Yeah, just, there's yep. yeah, there's, there's a strict way to be. Um, before we get to any Super Bowl talk, I want to talk about one of the, one of my favorite players that was always on the giants, Jeremy Chalky. He seemed like a person that was different in that culture just because he was outspoken comparative to other people. You got Tiki Barber, who was silent there for a long time. Not silent, but he kept to himself. He ran the ball. And then you got Shockey, who was always came out of Miami. He came out always he came out with the swagger out of college. I'm just asking you because he's one of my favorite players. Do you have any stories or anything about Shockey that people would like to hear? Uh, you know. The, the biggest story is when he was a rookie, right? And um, obviously, every first-round pick, you know, they, they hold off for a week or whatever to get, to get their money, which it was common back then, right? It always right. happened. And I remember his first day at training camp, um, he flew in Albany. You know, they sent the car for him, but nobody was there with the keys for him to get in his dorm, so he slept in the car. Um, we go out to practice, and Coach Fossil comes into the huddle and says, uh, hey, you know, the first play is going to be on two, but – you know, in the huddle, we're going to stay on one. So Jeremy jumps off sides, and I'm going to, you know, rip his ass out. So we get up to the line of scrimmage, and Kerry Collins, you know, down, set, blue, Eddie, blue, Eddie. He said, go. Shockey takes off on his route. Nobody else moves. Fossil, sorry, Fossil blows the whistle. And he's yelling. He's like, oh, you're a first rounder. You get here late. Now you're jumping off sides, right? Screaming at him. We go on to lunch that, that day. And uh, in training camp, as a rookie, you think your glass, you say the guy's name. That guy has to get up and uh, sing a song, right? Your fight song, your favorite song. You got to sing something. Jeremy wasn't going to have it, right? Because he's like, I haven't slept. I just got dog cut to practice for jumping off sides, which was bullshit because it was on one, right? Dude, just mess with me. And now I got these guys, you know, make want to make me sing. I haven't eaten 24 hours. Hold on one second. It's cracking up. All right. Let me know when it's better. Are we good? Yeah, Yeah, you're good. You're saying that he was tired. Uh, yeah, so he was yeah. he was tired. He was, sit, he was sitting at a table all by himself, and they're saying, 
you know, Shockey, Shockey. He goes, I ain't singing. So Brandon Short, a linebacker, right? Um, walks, walks like this is back in the day where you would fight a guy in the lunchroom. So Brandon Short walks over and you know picks a fight with him, and Shockey comes and you know gets up out of his chair and uh, catches him. Right now they're on the ground, and now we're like, oh, we like this guy, right? Like Shockey can play. So you know we, we break the fight up, and every that day on, like Shockey was one of us, right? Um, Shockey was the ultimate competitor. Um, he, he would. He was heart and soul for, for football. Um, I'm glad he was my teammate. We were roommates in Albany for a couple of years. Um, I love the man, right? He was a ultimate, ultimate football player. That He was a tough, tough player. And, yes, he showed his emotion on his sleeve. Yeah. But I think that's, I think that's, that's what you need sometimes, right, at football. Like, he, 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 like he, he took it personal. And, um, you know, he said what he wanted to say, and he worked his ass off, and he was a hell of a player. He was a hell of a player. Yeah. Right. He had a couple of injuries there in his career, which which hurt him. But um, you know, he was on our 2007, 2008 Super Bowl team, and uh, he was a big he was a big reason why we were we were at this you know the, the spot we were at at the end of the year. He yeah. broke his ankle or broke his leg. He missed that game, but he was a big part of that. He, he was a big part of that season. Uh, and then he went to New Orleans. And I think he got a second ring in New Orleans. So, yes, he did. Um, he was a valuable teammate. Um, I love him to death. Um, you know, the, I saw him a couple years ago and it was like you know we saw each other every day for the last five years right like right. uh that's why i said the bond of being a teammate there's something special about that and uh, i think football teammates the bond like it's just it's different if you never played it you don't know it but it's the brotherhood where you can't you, you, you can't back anywhere else speaking of teammates and speaking of uh having that bond and uh o-line d-line love or lack of there you told me that you always kind of wanted to be the first fight in training camp because you wanted to set the tone. Uh, tell me why that is. I think they were just picking on me. I, I don't think I ever said I wanted to start the first now. But you were always – you said that you kind of worked. Because there's, 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 a, there's, always a, there's always a part in training camp where everybody's feeling sorry for themselves, right? They're hot. They miss, they miss their wife. You miss your kids. You're, you're away for a month, right? You're eating the cafeteria food. And everybody's ornery, and practice is kind of allow. And I don't know, fighting's fun, right? Like I think fighting in football, like you're not trying to hurt somebody, but like it's gonna happen because you go against the same person every single day, over and over and over again. And sooner or later, he's gonna do something you'll like, and you gotta stand up for yourself and your teammates. So a lot of times, you know, maybe Chris Lee shoved the guy into you on purpose to start the fight, or then I'll get the blame for it. But uh, yeah, there was a point where. I learned it from Keith Hamilton, right? Uh, Keith Hamilton was a D-tackle. His last year was my second year playing. Um, and he was a tough son of a bitch, right? Like, he was, he was a tough man. And uh, we'd be going to practice. So he'd look at me, he's like, you ready to go, rookie? And I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm like, whatever you want, I'm ready, right? Like, you can't back down for anybody. Um, but it's, it's part of football, right? But we never carried it over to the locker room, right? We never – on the field, stayed on the field. Um, cause the next day you're going against, right? So you can't sit there and, and keep busting, you know, banging your head helmets together the entire month of training camp. Neither one of you would make it out, but, um, it amped up practice a little bit. It made it a little better. I know some coaches wasn't fond of it, but, um, it's just something that has to be done once in a while to, uh, it's just part of football. Awesome. Uh, how about we, we jump into the Super Bowl talk a little bit, um, that year, you guys were considered the ro- the Road Warriors because your away schedule 
you guys were dominant on the away, but you had trouble at home. Can you tell me how that season went? Did you guys know you were that good? And uh, yeah, go through that. Um, you're right, right? We, we, we weren't that good at home. We were good on the road. For some reason, when we traveled, we we played better. I don't know what that was, but um, I think that's a year where nobody cared who got the credit, right? Like we just, we played for each other and we didn't care, you know, who was the best on that team. We didn't care who was scoring touchdowns. We didn't care who was making the tackles. Uh, we just, you know, that was Coach Coughlin's third or fourth year. I, I, I don't remember how like third or fourth year. And, you know, his ass was on the line because the media in New York was, was being brutal. And um, we started off 0-2 that year. We went to Washington. Um, they, they were up, right? Or we, we, we scored to go up on them. They had the ball first and goal at the four-yard line with no time left. We had to put a stand up together. Defense, our defense held them out. and That kind of propelled us on, right? Um, and we, we, we fought, every team that beat us during the regular season, we went on the road and we beat them in the playoffs. Um, yeah. That was it was fun. Obviously, it was fun, right? Like, <laughs> you don't get many – ten years, right? And you, don't, you don't get that many opportunities to do what we did that year. And, uh, you know, we played New England at the end of the year at home. It was a shootout, right? Like, I don't know how many – I forgot what the score was, but it was back and forth. And we put up a bunch of points. And even though we lost, like, we knew that we could hang with the best, right? And if we could find a way to see those guys again, like, we would find a way to beat them. And nobody would give us any chance to beat New England that year. But um, we did, right? And it wasn't pretty. But, like, defensively, it was awesome. Yeah. Offensively, it wasn't pretty. But, you know, we got it done at the end when it mattered. Um, and yeah, sure. Ty, Tyrese helmet catch, and you know, there's a fourth and one play where Jacobs ran up the middle. But like, that's football, right? Like every game you look at in football, it's won or lost by a handful of plays, and you never know when those plays are going to happen. And then for some reason, those plays happened for us that year. You know, I mean, at the end of football games and in the playoffs, and um, it was a special feeling. I remember that season just because one, being a Raider fan, I hate the Patriots just because. Uh, we all super, do because yeah. they, because they're because they were so good. But, uh, well, I, I, mean, I don't hate them, right? I, I mean, we had the tuck rule, you know. what I mean, so that's why, like, so that whole that whole playoffs are. Uh, Henry, I'm gonna lose you. We gotta do this. Hey. Little technical difficulties, little cell service problems, but we got to uh, hook up the next day and we finished our conversation. But I'm gonna take this time to talk about Hat Tack. Um, hat Tack is an easy way to display or hang your hats uh it makes it where the hats keep their form they don't have a pinch or a little something that if you put it like on a nail it dents it and makes it look bad so on this where the back of the hat goes where it's curved that's where it gets hanged onto the hat tack you can put it anywhere any uh type of wall um go to hattack.com um when you put in the promo code put cadillac ranch pod uh and yeah, uh, use that. It's a great thing to do. Um, they go to uh, at hat underscore tack on IG if you want to look at their stuff. And like I said, uh, Cadillac Ranch Pod in the discount code. And you also can get it at my Instagram page as well. And here's the second part to Rich. All right, uh, after that little uh, mishap there uh, from disconnection, uh, what I was saying is uh, as a Raider fan with the, the Patriots uh, having the 
what is it called? The uh, the fumble and not and losing Tampa Bay. I've always haven't liked the Patriots. So that year that you went to the Super Bowl, actually had money on them, and I've been I was wanting or to on you guys to beat them. So I was wanting you guys to win the whole uh, playoffs. So I never told you that I had money on that game, and you made it beat. You made it where I won. So. Thank well, you. You, should, well, you should have bought me lunch on one of the days we had lunch together. You, you always maybe buy the tri-tip sandwiches. Maybe you should have bought once. I, that's very true, but I was newly married and I didn't have money. And then, but but you you helped me out. <laughs> I, no, I I appreciate that. Yeah, that's um, it was a right. That's what every boy's dream is to win a Super Bowl when they're little playing football. Yeah. Back, got to experience it. So it was um, it was a pretty cool experience. And uh. I, that Super Bowl that always reminds me, just because going to your house and everything, the uh, infamous picture of you holding Hunter up with the confetti coming down. That I think that's that's probably every father's dream to like look at look at what I've done. I know that's the NFL has taken you to a lot of places, gotten you where you got uh, you can take care of your family. So when you can reach that pinnacle and you have your son in your hand, that had to be a great feeling. Yeah, you know, I always say I wish my kids were older so they would uh, remember more. Isaac was one years old, but pretty much one. Hunter was probably four or five, four. Yeah. So I don't think he remembers much of the game. But obviously, um, when uh, Corona hit this year, they were airing some of the greatest games. And Super Bowl Forty Two was one of those. So I got to sit down with my whole family and watch the game. So it was, um, was kind of neat to watch that game again with, with my kids and my wife. And, you know, they were asking questions about it uh, from what I can remember. I, uh, that might be the first time I ever watched the game, the TV copy, right? So oh, it, was wow. pretty, it, was, it was pretty cool to watch. So they they were just asking you, like, what you felt on this one or what happened here and stuff like that? And you, you yeah, know, well, you know, to remember? Hunter was like, you you, uh, you sucked on that play. For... <laughs> no, it was uh, – it was fun, right? Uh, the, the plays come back to you. You start remembering the sequences and the drives and, you know, the uh, the little nuances of Eli's checks and all that stuff. Um, it all comes back. It was kind of, it was kind of, uh, it was fun to watch. Well, I mean, when you, when you think about it, it's, that game was so, it was a great game watching it in the first place. And then you even said before, when we talked about it in the past, that uh, the, the helmet catch, I don't want to get into it because you probably get it all the time, but you even said like, yeah, we the O line failed our jobs, but we kept going, and then Eli made that magnificent play. That just goes to show that as long as you keep your feet moving in football terms, you can get yeah. the job done. Yeah, don't stop. You know, you can joke about it, saying if we didn't get beat on that play, maybe that play never would have happened. Maybe we'd all win the Super Bowl. Right. So every play starts up front, and that play we got beat pretty bad. And uh, but nobody stopped, you know. They, they ran a little game. Uh, Sean and I got picked. Um, Sneeze guy dropped like the entire fourth quarter. I think it was Junior. J- junior was lined up over Chris, and uh, he drops. He was blocking air. Meat cream dealing O'Hara, who are working our butts off. And um, you know, like the saying goes, they get paid too. So uh, they're paid yeah. to make plays. They got us on that one, but we didn't stop. Eli didn't stop. And uh, obviously, Tyree made one heck of a catch. I don't think. I don't think Eli gets. I, I mean, out here at least. Eli doesn't get enough praise for that play. Hill the Hill does all the time. Yeah, but you know Eli Eli got out right. The guy had his jersey and um, yeah, it was awesome. For those that know football, Eli wasn't the um, the running quarterback, right? He wasn't. Mm-hmm. I remember seventy yard touchdown that year in London. We we're playing Miami, and I think it took him thirty two seconds to go seven yards. But um, yeah. <laughs> 
the Giants never asked him to be a mobile quarterback, right? He was, right. He was good in the pocket. I mean, if you kept him clean, he was one of the best quarterbacks there was. But, um, you know, we just had to give him a pocket to step up in. And um, that play, he bailed us out, right? So that's yeah. um, that's one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history. And, you know, we were all part of it. And, you know, that's that'll be a rerun pretty much forever for the entire football. Yeah. Um, speaking of Eli, the whole situation where he got drafted and uh, he went to the Chargers and everything, was that wild for you guys as a player or did you not even? No, we didn't, yeah, we didn't care. Like yeah, that, okay. that, that meant nothing to us, right? Um, that was whatever, um, you know, the Manning, Eli and what, what, what he wants. Yeah, it's business is business, right? Um, once, once you're in that locker room, you understand why guys, you know, hold off for more money and all that good stuff. And, you know, um, careers are short. You know, you got to make sure you can you can get what you can get when you can get it and get out of the game healthy and and um, live a life. So um, we that's it's not talked about in the locker room, and we never really cared about that with Eli. Okay, I've always wondered that. Um, and then you after the Super Bowl, you had a you had a great career, and you always said that you in, it ended not the way you wanted with injury, and you never had the uh, the send off that you probably always dreamed of of. Uh, like with the, with the speech, with the with the news there and everything, kind of like uh, the stray hands and the Eli's and stuff like that. But you were sidelined by actual um, uh, injury. So how how did you have to deal with that when with everything going on? You know, looking uh, looking back at it now, right now that I'm 41 years old, yeah, um, yeah, I'm kind of you know you're never glad about anything, but. I think it's the best way to leave, right? Get hurt, can't play anymore, walk walk away. Um, I think it would have been a lot harder for me mentally where if I thought I could still play and then I got cut, right? Right. So it may, maybe getting hurt was a blessing in disguise where I never I never regretted the way I played and never regretted um, the effort I put forth every day and every year and, and uh, you know, blowing the knee out the last game of the season in 2010, 2011. Um, you know, I knew I was done uh, mentally. I was done. Uh, maybe I had a couple of years left in me, but um, you know, n- no regrets, right? I moved yeah. out by you. Like, I got to meet some great people in San Luis Obispo. Um, you know, enjoyed my time out there, and I got into high school coaching with with uh, Mission Prep, and you know, Coach Henry, and you were on that staff, and Coach Crocker, and Brian Weiss, and all those guys. Uh, growth, can't forget growth, right? Yeah, you can't. But um, <laughs> no, that's to me that was that was important because I needed the game of football in my life, and if I couldn't play anymore, I needed to try to get back to those kids. And um, I truly enjoyed coaching those kids. Well, I mean, you had a chance to work with the Giants. You had a chance to do other situations, but you chose to. I mean, you came out to the Central Coast, and then you got you kind of fell into coaching, correct? Or did or did you seek it? Uh, my buddy Chris Bloor, my, my financial advisor, right? right? He, he lived in San Luis Obispo, so uh, his daughters were at um, uh, Little Mission or whatnot, or I always say Little Mission, Mission or Mission. Yeah, Old Mission. <laughs> Old Mission and uh, Mission Brown. And, uh, he mentioned to, um, at the time, the athletic director, Bailey, Bailey Brown, mm-hmm. right, that I thought about moving out. And, um, you know, he's kind of encouraged me to, to get into coaching because he, he knew I'd be bored, right? He knew I couldn't sit there and golf every day and and sit at the country club drinking my whiskey and playing golf. So I can't see you uh, playing golf. So I remember I was out there during the wintertime and I was watching basketball and 
that's the first time I met Coach Henry and I met Bailey and Chris introduced me to both of them. And um, it's just a good, good vibe there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what, what a great little school and um, the kids, you know, we're multi-sport athletes and it's funny, Coach Henry, and myself, we always talk back about those football teams and you're part of that team. You know, those kids, mm-hmm. uh, the line, we played a bunch of sophomores that first year and yep. Watching those guys grow from, you know, freshmen, sophomores, and then when they graduated as seniors being ass kickers up front, like, uh, it was fun, you know. And obviously, you know, coaching a team with Patrick Laird, uh, his work ethic and what he meant, you know, what, what Laird meant for my son to see every day, right? Yeah. Uh, who I think hopefully, you know, embodies what Patrick Laird worked hard. And, you know, he saw him working hard and the effort he put in every day. And, you know, he was, he was a really good football player, but he worked his ass off. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why Laird is where he's at today because of the way he works, you know. Oh, oh yeah. I, when I talked Hard. to Braden, I said that too. Like he he yeah. got his worth ethic from Laird as well. Could we all saw yeah. it? Yeah, I, I got a picture of Hunter. I think he was in what fifth grade, right? Fifth mm-hmm. grade, maybe standing on the sideline. And it must have been the fourth quarter. And we, we must have been winning by a bunch because Pat was on the sideline too. And uh, you know, Hunter standing next to him, looking up to him. And um, you know, that's that's what you want. You yeah. know, that's and that that was mission prep. You know, I mean, those kids were well respected and they were good to the community and they're good for the kids in the community. And uh, it was a really fun time to be out there coaching. I mean, you had some beef up front. I mean, they were young in the beginning, but even the year I got there, you had a couple big boys on the uh, La Rosa and a couple other guys that were. Yeah, like, did you have? I mean, you had big boys that could do some. You some know, work. I, I could. Kasaka, Waba, Ikeda, right? Zach Adams, Smiley was out there. I know Potmeyer, um, yep. uh, DeSessa and DeRosa, right? One played fullback, the other one played line for me. Um, there's some tough kids. Um, you know, size wise, they're all, you know, average size linemen, you know, six foot tall, maybe, yep. right? But um, those guys really bought in and they bought into Coach Henry's program. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be at that school pretty much all day long, every day. And, yeah. Uh, be in the weight room with them. And, um, it, it was a really good staff, right? Coach Crocker was in football for 30-some years, and he knew what he was doing. And we, we all worked well together. We might have argued a bunch, but we mm-hmm. argued for the sake and the, the best situation for the kids. Exactly. I, so I might have yelled at you a little too much when I first met you. Remember, I, I never knew you I, I never knew you couldn't hear out of your right ear, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that's, yeah. You and Chad, it, it, it took you guys a while. We, 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 can we can't bring that up today. And, and, and I'd be saying, Coach Henry, Coach Walt, KK, H2O, man, you know, watch, you know, watch this, take the guys. And you turn to me and he says, what? He goes, oh, by the way, I can't hear on my right. I'm like, you could have told me that like the first week of practice, not the second month. No, but um, it was fun, you know. But I, I enjoyed it. And uh, uh, if you're not having fun with what you're doing, there's no point in doing it, right? Right. I mean, it was fun for me. I learned so much from you guys. I, I mean, like you said, there was times where I was, like, so lost. Because you're – I mean, our offense was more of a college offense than a high school offense. So, like, getting to – like, having to teach the kids that and me at the same time, different – it was a different animal. Yeah, if you're not co- – if you're, if you're not lost, you're not coaching properly, right? I think um, that's that's coaching, right? You try to find a way to make everybody better and coach the kids that you have to the best of their ability and find out what they're good at. And I think that's what we did really good as a staff. Mm-hmm. So you you finished uh, after or you left San Luis Obispo to go back to New Jersey. You need you're an East Coast guy. You love New York, you love New Jersey. You get there and then 
you sneak into coaching again with the Wachong Hills. Tell me about that process. Cause I never, you never really told me how that all that went. Uh, I moved back. Um, I enjoyed coaching. Um, I got approached by the head coach at the time, see if I want to come or, you know, be an assistant coach. And I said, sure. Uh, I coached for a year out here and then um, he, 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 he was no longer the coach. And uh, some parents in, uh, encouraged me to apply for the head job. And, you know, at the time, I just enjoyed coaching, right? But I knew that these kids deserved um, deserved more and deserved better. So uh, I applied for the job and I got it. And, you know, um, I live in town. I coach the kids. I know the kids from when they're, you know, when, when they put the pads on to when they come to high school. And um, my son's, you know, came up through the ranks of youth football. So now we have Pop Warner in town. And um, it's a good youth program. Um, they play a bunch of games on Saturdays and Sundays. So. If I'm not at the high school field, I'm there watching those guys because that, that's your future. And uh, I just enjoy the game, right? It's, it's fun to watch kids play. So mm-hmm. hopefully this year there's some type of football to watch. I, amen. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, and plus, like, you're coaching. Now your son's on the team second year. And he was a baller last year. And plus, he's a wrestler. He's a multi-sport athlete. How is that coaching your son, um, especially in the second year where he can be more – uh, polish and keep working on his game. You know, um, I think it's easy to coach a kid, your own kid, when he's not touching the ball, right? My son does touch the ball because he's the center, but he's not, you know, we're not throwing the ball. He's not, throw, he's not throwing it. He's not running it. So um, he's a lineman. And, um, you know, he, he works his tail off, and I truly enjoy coaching him. Um, I think we both know, you know, once he's on the field, he's, he's one of my players, right? He's, right? he's not my son on the field. And, he respects that and I respect him for working his ass off and, you know, um, you, you know, honor, like he, he's, he's been around football his entire life. He was in that locker room in the meeting rooms with us when we were coaching, mm-hmm. uh, smart player. He understands the game. Um, it's fun, right? Like totally. these kids, some kids need athletics to have a purpose to go to class and to do well in school. And, um, you know, if that's taken away this year, you know, maybe some, like some of these kids aren't going to do as well in the classroom because, you know, coaching is not just coaching on the field. Yep. It's making doing the right thing on and off the field in the classroom, you know, in the community. So um, I can like we've done we have summer workouts now, which is phase one, phase two out here in New Jersey. And we really can't use the football too much, but I've never seen my team so happy just to be together doing something. Right. Because it's been a four month hiatus and just to see their smiles in their faces and we're not even. I guess conditioning and agility is which kids usually hate, but uh, they just like being out there for the 90 minutes and right. working. Right. Um, so with uh, Corona and everything, did you guys do like zoom meetings? How did you guys, are you, are you guys? We did. Okay. Uh, you no, know, when it first started, you try to find a way to keep these kids involved. Right. And uh, you know, they had class still. And um, I actually started up a uh, Madden football um tournament so i sent them a note out hey who wants to play madden it was xbox or playstation i forgot which one we used um but we had 64 kids or coaches in the tournament and we played round by round and we uh we live streamed you know once somebody was tech savvy enough to figure out how to put them online so like all the other kids could watch their teammates playing against somebody else and that's great it, it was pretty fun right um i had to put there was too many rules i had to make during because teams were you know, these kids always want to play with, like, Kansas City and Baltimore, I think. Right. 
right? Because like the, the one of the two of the best teams on the game. So I was like, all right, no more using those those teams. Like you want to even teams when, when when two teams when, when two kids played. But uh, I think Shane Kelly, uh, Shane Kelly beat me or beat my son. I'm pretty bad, but I played in it, right? I think I went 0-2. We had, it was double loss elimination. You know, we played off. It was like wrestling bracket. So we played off for uh, up until eighth place. So it took forever. Um, the kids enjoyed it, I hope. And uh, the winner got, I believe, like a case of toilet paper and some uh, and some hand wipes because at the time, <laughs> that was it. it was hard to find some ass wipe and some hand wipes. <laughs> That's great how you did – you, you figured out a way to stay engaged with your – your kids, they obviously yeah. loved it. That's hey, that like you said, it's more than football. Yeah, so um do you I, I was talking to you yesterday. Do you have any story that you want to tell? Anything that that uh, maybe a good gym that nobody's ever heard, maybe I haven't heard that that they would like to that you think people would like to hear? A good gym? Good story. A good a good something good. Like something like a gym, like something that you haven't told a lot of people. I don't know. You're trying to sound good. I ate your sandwich, Henry. Remember that sandwich you couldn't find in the locker room? I'm the one that ate it. No. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I don't, I, you know, that's, that's, that's a tough question, right? Like, people, uh, like I, I love the game, right? Like, yeah. I've told everybody, like, I love football. And the memories in that locker room, some of the stuff, you know, we don't want to share with each other because it wasn't like you couldn't do it anywhere else, but that locker room. Right. But, um, you know, when, when it was time to, to relax and let your guard down. Sure. We, we, we all messed around, right? Like the O-line messed with the quarterbacks and the quarterbacks messed with us. Um, you know, if, if in training camp, if we did something to Eli, right. The next day our cars would be Vaseline or the tires would be taken off our cars or, or, you know, um, every year during training camp, somebody on the defensive side of the ball, I'm not going to name any names, would pull the fire alarm, right, so we get all the meetings because Coach Coughlin kept this in there until 10 o'clock. You know, 10 o'clock sharp. 10, you can't go out early. God forbid we leave, you know, 9.55. So and Coughlin always thought it was me pulling it, and I, I was afraid to leave the meeting room for a water break because somebody's going to pull it, and I'm going to be sitting here saying, Coach, it wasn't me, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's yeah, actually that's, pretty funny. Yeah, but that's the, only way, that's the only way we could have, like, an hour off so we could go out and let some steam off, right? Um, football players are, are, are people too. And, uh, we love the game and, um, we play most, I'm going to, you know, most of the guys that play, play for the right reasons, right? They, they, they love football, they love their teammates. They love their coaches. And I think that's what separates the good teams from the bad teams, right? The teams that can truly love one another and, and play for each other makes a difference. So that's, that's kind of the, you know, my philosophy. Coming off that, I remember you telling me one of the uh, – I asked you, who was one of the hardest guys to block? And you said Albert Hainsworth when you wanted to play. Yeah, when Albert Hainsworth decided he wanted to play football. You know, he's 300. I don't want to slight Albert, right? 360? Uh, yeah, I, I want to say you're right, yeah. Like 6'6", 360, and he probably ran like a 4'8". So uh, talking about a man that was a massive human being that could really um, uh, move – you know, I don't think there's anybody in the NFL that could block him man on man, right? If 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 Albert was playing hard, yeah. uh, and I had the luxury to go against him when he was in Tennessee, and then also when he was in Washington twice a year, so um, he was good. I, I I can you know you guys are in California, so you know my first start it was a Thursday night football. The first Thursday night game it was 2002, and we were playing um, San Fran, 
and they had Brian Young and Dana Stubblefield, right? Um, and I was pretty much my second year, but that was my rookie season, first year really playing offensive line. And they were going into their well, 20th, not 20th year, but you know what I mean, like 15th year. And I played them the first week of the season. I'm like, oh, you know, they're good, but they're not like superstars. And then we played them in the playoffs, and I'm like, okay, yeah, they're good. <laughs> like they had another switch. But, okay. um, you know, it, it, it was fun. Like I, I look at my career when I first started, there was a lot of older D linemen. And then when I left, there was a lot of younger guys, right? So um, you know, I got to play against uh, Richard Seymour and, 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 Will, and Will Fork, right? And, and uh, McLaughlin and some big boys up front. And, um, you know, it was cool. It was cool to be out there with, with guys you, I watched when I was in high school and college. And then when I played right. against them, and guys when I was playing, you watch them in college and you play against them. So it was fun. I don't think I ever asked you, what was your favorite uh, position to play? in the pros because you played center you played guard my favorite position was football i like it right like oh it didn't matter you right? didn't some care. People, yeah. like some people bitch and say like i'm a right guard i'm playing left guard i'm a tackle i'm playing guard listen i just want to play i think they, they, they could put me in any position i want any, any position they would want to put me and i'd play it i enjoyed coming back from my broken leg in 03 playing tight end and fullback and playing everywhere right kind of the utility guy but um i'm a left guard right i'm a left-handed yeah. guy now I am. I enjoy playing center. I enjoy playing everything. It's it's football's football. You know, it doesn't matter to us where we're playing. I just want to play. Hell yeah. Uh, I wanted you to give a shout out to your uh, to your uh, charity that you have. Uh, it always looks like so much fun the skeet shooting, and I know this year it was postponed. But uh, if you want to talk yeah. about that, and uh, cool. so uh, 2007 2008, I started up. Um, a charity for my grandma, Celine. Um, she passed away since, obviously. Um, but we did a, a, a trap shoot, right? We shot we shot guns at the ski club in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, the riding gun club, and then we went there at a banquet, just like every, everything else, um, at, a, at a hall. Uh, I did it through the Marshall Clinic back home because I knew I couldn't do this myself. I needed help. And uh, they're awesome people to work with. And the funds for the first uh, – 2007, I would say like six years. The goal was a million dollars, right? We raised a million dollars in five years. Um, went to cardiac research because my grandmother had a heart transplant in 1987. Oh, wow. I, I was like nine years old, I believe. And without that heart transplant, I probably never would have known my grandma. Um, so we did it for cardiac research to help other families. The goal was to get an endowment in her name so they could do some research off of that endowment year in, year out, which we have. Um, and, it, and it pays for... Um, one person to do studies through the Marshall Clinic on cardiac stuff. And I didn't want to stop doing it. So every year now we pick another charity back home that needs extra help, right? If it's either, we call it the angel fund back home at the Marshall Clinic, which helps families um, with children that have something wrong with them, right? Something bad. And like they need medical bills or gas money, um, that kind of stuff. And in Eau Claire, we do the event, the Marshall Clinic built a new hospital. So, the last couple of years, they made a, a room for patients and for family members of the patients where they could go and be kids. Awesome. Um, we we um, we decked that place out, you know, paintings and some games, uh, TVs, and um, so my thing is, there's a, there's a million organizations that need help, and everybody can give at different levels. And um, I always want with my family, my wife and my kids, and you know, my parents back home, my sisters want to get back to where I came from and. Uh, we do it every year. I bring, you know, former players, try to get some current players. I get some Packers, and um, it doesn't matter what team you played for. We just – it's Wisconsin, right? Yeah. You, you go – you drink some beers, 
Uh, you wake up in the morning, you get to shoot some guns, and then and then you can drink some more beers after you're done shooting, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like a little banquet with a dinner, and we have fun. And it's becoming like, um, you know, we get three, uh, 250 shooters and about 350, 400 people to the event every year. And usually like the 250 people are like, they, they've been there for 10 years now, right? They, they come back every year. And, um, we get new people once in a while, but we usually sell pretty quick and uh, lining kugels, right? We all know what lining kugels is, right? The beer, the mm-hmm. beer back home, and that's in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. And they open up their place on Fridays. And uh, Dick Lining Kugel and Jake Lining Kugel have been awesome. Um, I know they created a lot of East Coast um, lining kugel fans, right? The little summer shanty in the summertime. Mm-hmm. But they they've been a main support of us, and there's a lot of businesses back home that support this. And you know, without them, this could never be possible. So if anybody ever wants to shoot guns, meet some former players. It's usually in April and usually in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. It never happened this year, but next year we'll be back at it. That's awesome. That's great that you helped the uh, – I mean, with my kid being a, a heart baby, like there's yep. some there's some parents that like – my daughter was like full size and everything, and she was actually okay, where there are some of these kids that like could bear – going to the, the recreational room was the highlight of their year, really, because they could actually get out of the bed, so – um, that hits close to home. I'm glad that you're doing that. That's really cool. Um, yeah, like, like, you know what it is, Henry. Until it happens to you or somebody in your family, you have no clue what these families are going through. Exactly. You know it firsthand. So um, the, the little bit that anybody can help, it makes a big difference for the rest of us. Totally. Um, maybe switch over uh, only a little bit longer. Uh, do you want to talk Giants or what you think about them this year or uh, Daniel Jones or Saquon? I mean, Saquon's a beast. I really, to be honest, I don't like, I don't fall, like, I watch him, but I don't really know anything about him. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Do you still have contact with them? No, I, I, I have contact, like, with people that work for the Giants, right? But nobody, like, really of significant importance. Right. I got you. Right. Equipment guy, some trainers, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, um, I, 36 power, Henry. Lock down. Yeah, man, those are good times. Um, I'm just getting absolutely reamed every day by Chad. We all awesome. do. It was awesome. Yeah, we all do. It's not bad, right? Like that's that's no. Chad. Once you put Chad, well, who Chad is, he just grow out the flow. Remember, he told us he's like, you guys need to create an identity with that offensive line. Remember when he told us that? Uh huh. And then all of a sudden he goes, I don't know whatever you guys are doing. You got to stop because. Everybody else is jealous because the O-line's having more fun at practice. Well, what, what do you want us to do? <laughs> Listen, you bribe them with food, yep. right? And they'll make more effort. Yeah, exactly. So like, we used to have those, uh, the O-line lunches. Remember down at lunchtime, about buying pizza? Yeah. And Chad's like, well, you know, other people, I'm like, I don't care. It's The O-line's the ones that blocked for, you know, yeah, Larry had 250 yards rushing, but it was because of the guys up front. Yeah. You don't get 3,000 yards just, I mean, the O-line helped. I mean, he was well, he great, probably, but... He might have got 2,000 by himself then. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um, but he, he, he was a special player. We all know that. He, uh, yeah. I got a uh, – my brother-in-law actually got me a jersey signed by him. I just need to get it framed and put it up. That's cool. I got one for him. I got one for my son, too, Hunter. And then uh, when the Dolphins played the Jets, we actually I bugged them. Right? I don't like bugging them because I know what it was like when I played. Yeah. But you know, stand-up guy. We went to their team hotel. Um, actually, my old line coach's son coaches tight ends there, uh, Sean Flaherty. So I bugged both of them, brought Hunter over to the hotel, and uh, 
you know, Pat took 20 minutes out of his night and came down and talked to us like he was yesterday, right? It was pretty cool. That's awesome. He's always yeah. like that. He's always been, even when he came back from college and stuff, he's like, oh, how's it going? Like, just like if we just had school the next the day before. Yeah, it was yeah, always he, nice. Like, I don't know how to say it. He's, he's somebody that you let your, 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 your daughter date, right? Like, he's, he's the guy. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of cool. My, uh, one of my best friends is dating a Laird. So when the wedding happens, I'm going to be with all of them. So that's Which cool. Laird are they dating? Huh? Which Laird? Her name's Brittany Laird. I want to say it's their brother. It's a cousin. That's cool. Yeah. So like you know, I, I, I there's in uh in the central coast. Everybody's related somehow, so you guys gotta be careful. Oh no yeah. Well, yeah. But uh she's not from around here at least. She All moved right. here. Yeah, so uh but she when I found out she was a laird, I'm like, okay, Ernest, she's good. Their family's good people. <laughs> like yeah. yeah. Um if you have anything else to say, do you wanna uh plug anything do you want to talk about anything else no i'm good i think we i think we hit about everything i talk a lot so i think i think we got everything right i know the one thing i miss it being in that uh uh what is it called being in that locker room talking to you just listening to your stories listening to you and chat and chat talk it was crazy how you guys worked that you guys could yell at each other but you were guys were figuring stuff out while like kind of bickering at each other. It was a great, right? He's a quarterback. All quarterbacks, bitch. Lyman, right. no quarterbacks, bitch. I think they know how. Yeah. So true. remember, remember the old thing, you take care of the pass game. I got the run game. Yep. And, and it works well. Like we worked really well. Together. It did. You guys, yin and yang. It was, it was great to watch uh, everybody else on that staff. It was that locker room means so much to me. And uh, that coach's room, um, always you always made fun of me for being too mushy but like it was awesome you guys taught me a lot um thanks again thanks again for doing this interview i know you you could have just left this cali boy unread and you can still be in jersey mowing your lawn so uh i appreciate that no i know henry you know that i love you man and uh stay healthy stay safe tell your mm-hmm. family huh? i will i will uh maybe we'll do this again uh when uh, your football season comes or after your football season because it it will happen in Jersey. I don't know, Cali. They're already saying that, like Mission Prep, they start their their season in December. Yeah, January first, they can start their first game. I um, I think um, I think throughout the United States, I think the next two to three weeks is going to be a very telltale sign, right? If colleges start pulling the plugs, um, like the FCS, right, kind of did. They're going to hopefully play in the spring now. I think. Yeah. Maybe. Um, we'll see what the big boys do. Well, they're they're even talking about today the Big Ten are they're all going together and there's a lot of uh, leaning towards uh, not having a season. I know. So if they start doing it, I don't see how high schools play if colleges don't play, right? So we'll exactly. see. We'll, yeah. we'll see how the NFL goes. Well, once the NFL starts practicing, we'll see what happens with uh, Corona and we'll see what happens after the election, obviously. Yeah, that's that's another milestone <laughs> that we have to wait for. <laughs> different podcast. That's yeah, good. very different. All right, Henry. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, miss you guys, and uh, stay safe, man. No, thank you. You have a good one now. Right. Again, thank you to Rich Soybert. Um, I wish him all the best. Great guy. That was a great interview. I hope y'all liked it. Um, yeah. A uh, couple other things I want to talk about. Sports. 
my Golden Knights got the number one seed. They had a great game against the Avalanche yesterday, which was awesome. Uh, one of the best games I've seen in a while. Uh, my buddy and I, uh, actually Scott and Sean and I, from our previous uh, podcast, uh, we watched it together. Sean's not a big fan, so he got to see an amazing game. A game with two teams that normally don't have a lot of penalties. They had a lot of penalties, so a lot of power plays, five on threes, goalie steals. I mean, overtime, there was a penalty shootout. It was a great game. Uh, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for this playoffs. We're going to play the Blackhawks first round. Um, and then it's probably going to be the Avalanche because they're probably going to kick Coyotes' butts. But you never know. It's hockey. So I'm very excited for that. Uh College looks like it's not going to happen, um, which is crazy, even though we were just talking about it with Rich the next day as I'm recording this on Sunday. Yeah, it didn't look so hot, so we'll see. Um, and I heard that, like, uh, yeah, it's just kind of a bummer. Baseball's not doing well either. I don't think they're going to make it that much longer, but we'll see. Um, I'm excited for sports. Bubba Wallace race today he didn't finish very well. He was in seventh, like the first, like somewhat uh, round laps, but in the push to like 30. But, anyways, again, great conversation with Rich. I hope y'all liked it. Um, I'm also going to be saying a special announcement in the next coming days. So, you might already have seen the announcement. Uh, or what I'm going to be showing you guys after you heard this or before you heard this. But yeah, I'm excited to show y'all whatever I'm going to show you. Um, as always, love who you are with, your family, your friends, your roommates. Um, be safe, crazy time still. Uh, hopefully everybody um, is doing whatever they need to do to be healthy. Um, and... As always, come on back to the Cadillac Ranch you hear. Oh, well, the well went dry and the cow did too. Daddy didn't know what to do. The banker came by the house one day, said he's gonna take the farm away. Then mama came up with a plan. Brother and me started up a band. Sister put a sign on the roof Daddy bought a case of 90 proof Now we call it the Cadillac Ranch They're parking cars in the old beef patch There's a bar in the barn and the place stays packed Till the cows come home at Cadillac Ranch Now the only thing that we raise is cane you don't need the sun or rain Just neon lights and some ice cold beer Keeps everything green around here Mama takes the cash at the door Brother and me keep them out on the floor Sister sets them up at the bar Daddy kicks back with a big cigar Now we call it the Cadillac Ranch they're parking cars in the old bee patch There's a bar in the barn and the place stays packed Till the cows come home at Cadillac Ranch
cows away And now the only horns around here today Are the ones up on the grill Of a genuine 59 Coupe de Ville Now we call it the Cadillac Ranch They're parking cars in the old bee patch There's a bar in the barn and the place stays packed Till the cows come home at Cadillac Ranch now we call it the Cadillac Ranch They're parking cars in the old beef patch There's a bar in the barn and the place takes pay yeah. Till the cows come home at Cadillac Ranch